0: So we have, since September, we have been uh, in a series on discipleship. Um, And discipleship is just vital. And it's vital for where this church is right now. And just to to succinctly state what discipleship is, it's following Jesus passionately and obediently, and, and we're compelled by compassion, And we follow Jesus. That's being a disciple. And then we are told to make disciples. So we do the same thing. We find people that are hungry. And we pour into them. And we point them to Jesus. And we give intentional time for them. and And we do life with them. And we do ministry with them. And we strengthen them and raise them up so that they also become passionate followers of Jesus. And then we walk beside them as they then reproduce and make more passionate followers of Jesus. Anyone want to guess, or maybe you don't have to guess, maybe you know, what's the first command that God gave man in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1.27 and 28 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, He created Him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. The first command we're given is to be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. The word, the Hebrew word for multiply is rava, which means to be or become great. To be or become many, to be or become much, to be or become numerous. This wasn't just God's plan for populating the earth. This was God's plan for advancing His kingdom. This was God's plan for discipleship. Be fruitful and reproduce. Be fruitful and and multiply. Follow Jesus and grow. Grow in passion. Grow in knowing of Him. Grow in strength. Grow in confidence. Grow in knowledge of His Word. Grow. Mature. And then be and become great in number. Reproduce. All throughout this word, when we look at it, you guys, there's there's no place for a self centered selfish faith there's no place for it our god is so generous and he gave to us so generously and we are called to do the same we are not called, we can't make our faith only about us it always has two parts i told this with the youth this 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 past friday it always has two parts we receive from the goodness of god he touches us and he heals us and he brings us life and he brings restoration and he speaks to us and empowers us and gives us gifts and then we take that and we go and demonstrate his love to others we go and and demonstrate him and, and we reproduce reproduction through discipleship is god's kingdom plan and guess what his method is you and I men are his method mankind men women mankind is his method if we want to understand Jesus' plan for discipleship then we must examine how Jesus demonstrated discipleship how Jesus interacted with the disciples. And that's what we've been doing since September. That's what we've been doing since we started this series. Looking in Scripture to see how Jesus did it. I've got a passage from Romans 10 in my preach today. I'm pretty sure that's, and I started with with one from Genesis, and I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've deviated from the Gospels in this series. Because we wanted to see how Jesus did it. How did Jesus make disciples? How did Jesus pour into them? How did he do life with them? So we were all up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see how he demonstrated it, and we do the same. You guys, this isn't a program. This isn't a curriculum. This is a demonstration that Jesus laid out for us that we follow. And this demonstration showed commitment, and this demonstration showed work, and this demonstration even showed sacrifice. And to make disciples, you guys, we've got to be willing to do those things. Let's look to John 17, and we're going to go through a few passages there. And I love this passage, and you know I love this passage if you go to this church, because Jesus is praying over his disciples. So let's see how Jesus prayed over his disciples. In the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays before going to the Garden of Gethsemane en route to the cross. Jesus prays this. John 17, 19-20. Jesus is talking about the disciples and He says, and for their sake, I consecrate Myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me Through their word. Through their word. The testimony of the disciples. Through their word, we believed. Through their word, we believed. Follow me. Jesus prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed for their disciples. He prayed for their disciples' disciples, for those that would come. He prayed for us. And he expected us to believe in him through their testimony. And he wants to use us and our testimony so that others will believe in him through us. Reproduction. That's his plan. You know, Kara made reference to it earlier during worship. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. It is done. His plan has been put into His action. What's His plan? You and I furthering the kingdom of God with our testimony and making disciples, being a passionate follower of Jesus and then going and making disciples. That's His plan. We're a part of it. He chose you. He chose me. That is so humbling to me. I'm such a mess. And He chose me. And he chose you. And he uses testimony. And he uses faithfulness. And he uses everything that we'll let him use. He'll use our mistakes. He'll use our stumbles. He'll use it when we fall. Nowhere in here is this this mandate that we be perfect but just that we remain in the race and that we keep our eyes on Jesus. And we do this until in time the world might know who Jesus is and what he came to do. Still in John 17, verse 23 says this, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is his plan, guys. This is his purpose. When we talk about discipleship, this is his whole evangelistic strategy. And the fulfillment of his very purpose of coming to earth, the fulfillment of the, of the obedience to die on the cross was this. That we carry out this mission. And that honor now falls to you and I. He started with 3 and 12 and 72 and... You guys, it doesn't matter how small of a group we start with. It doesn't matter how small of a group we have or we're a part of. We have this same mandate before us to make disciples. When it comes to disciples, numbers matter. Numbers matter. One life matters. One life matters. Two lives matter. Three lives matter. Four lives matter. I'm trying really hard right now not to do this in in the count from Sesame Street. One! Ah, ah, ah. One life matters. Numbers matter. We're called to make disciples. I'm going to say something pretty bold here. So stay with me when I say it. There is no use for us to pray for the world. What good does it do? Here's why I say that. God already loves them. God already fully demonstrated His love for them. He already fully demonstrated His love for the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him should be saved. What are we going to pray? We're going to pray, Lord, let your love be seen to the world. It's already been demonstrated, guys. Jesus ain't going to come back and do it again. The work is finished. Jesus already came and gave his life for the world, for everyone who would believe. There is no use to pray just vaguely for the world. Even Jesus said this again in John 17, verse 9. I am praying for them. Jesus is saying, I am praying for his disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And Jesus said this as well in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In these two passages, who is Jesus praying for? His disciples to reach the world. He's praying. He's he's telling his disciples again here in Matthew 9, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to God to send disciples. Guys, if we're waiting for Jesus... to to evangelize the world, it ain't going to happen. That's not his task. He's seated. Jesus isn't going to evangelize. Jesus isn't going to disciple anymore. That's on us now. Friends, it's on us now. It is so quiet. You guys are looking going, I think what you're saying is godly because you use scripture, but you just told me not to pray for the world. I know. Pray for yourself. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray for your church. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Pray for God to send us. But friends, more than just praying, we got to get out there and do the work. we got to tell someone about Jesus. We have to open our lips and speak love and life and point them to Jesus. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Do you hear the urgency in His words? Can you have that passage up there again from Matthew 9? Do, Do you hear the urgency in His words? Pray earnestly for workers and laborers. He desires that not one Would perish. Friends, we got work to do as bearers of the name of Jesus, as followers of Jesus Christ, and as disciples who are committed in serving Jesus. We've got work to do, and that work is telling people about Jesus. That work is demonstrating His love in all we do. Jesus tells us in His Word. That the world is lost and the world is blind in sin. Now I quote Romans 10.13 all the time. It's one of the, the most oft-quoted verses I, I do. And it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But let me read that passage with the two verses after it. Romans 10.13-15 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Feet implies that, that we got to be about the work. Feet carries on the theme that we are sent. This isn't being sent. But a lot of times this is the urgency that the church treats. Getting the gospel out there. This isn't being sent. These aren't blessed feet. These are relaxing feet. All I need is some chips. We're we're supposed to be about the work, guys. I promise coming up soon, I'll preach something really sweet and nice and palatable. But this just isn't that word. That's not where we're at. This is where we put our money where our mouth is. The only hope for the world is for laborers to go into that world with good news. It's for you and I to take the good news of Jesus. Don't just pray for the world. Reach the world. Don't just pray for the lost. Reach the lost. Don't just pray for harvest workers. Be one. And then once we have won people for Jesus, once we've won people for Jesus, our work's not over. There has to be commitment. We've got to walk with those people we got to do life with them we got to train them and teach them and and show them the word of god that's making disciples it's not congratulations you're saved awesome checklist gold star now when someone gives their life to christ they need someone to walk with them and that is what we do we're not supposed to leave them but we're called to work with them faithfully and patiently and painstakingly and lovingly until they become fruitful Christians. Strengthened fruitful Christians. So now they're making disciples. Followers of Jesus making what? Followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus making followers of Jesus. Leaders making leaders. Why do we stress leadership and leadership training so much in this church? Because we're all supposed to be a church full of leaders making leaders, pointing people to Jesus, walking in the commission, the great commission that's been given us. We have to realize that evangelism and discipleship, they're not done By something. They're done by someone. Evangelism and discipleship are not supposed to be done by the institution of the church. They're supposed to be done by the collaboration of the church, which is the body of Christ. It's supposed to be all of us. Yes, I am supposed to make disciples. You know why? Because I'm a Christian because I bear the name of Jesus because I said yes to him and I said I will follow you and I will make disciples and I'm a Christian so I make disciples. Oh yeah, I'm also a pastor, but that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Cuz discipleship's not done by the church. Discipleship's done by the church. All of us. God needs real flesh and blood people to express his love. Discipleship is an expression of God's love. And God is a person. And God has a personality. A lot of times we don't stop to think about it, but God has a personality. And that personality was on full display in the person of Jesus Christ. He was loving and he was strong. And he was magnetic in the presence of God upon him. And he was obedient and he was faithful. And people were drawn to him. He had personality, and it was the personality of God. And now that Jesus has ascended, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit now that that we represent the personality of God. God is so multifaceted. God has to be at least a little goofy, because I'm goofy. God made us all unique, representing different facets of His goodness and His personality. And He's not a cookie cutter. And He doesn't want a bunch of clones. It was vital that the first disciples reproduced it was vital that the first disciples taught their disciples to reproduce. And this is just as true for us. This is the way. This is the way we win. This is the way we overcome. This is the way the kingdom advances. This is the way the church wins. It's through the dedicated lives of those who know Jesus who know Jesus so well that through uncontainable compulsion and the power of the Holy Spirit we tell others. We're supposed to know Him that well, friends. That we can't contain it. That we can't help it. There should be no there should be no deep sigh I'm under compulsion. Can I tell you about how good my God is? The compulsion we have is is through passion. We can't help ourselves. We're looking for a break in the conversation. We're waiting for a pause just so we can talk about our Jesus. So we can pray for someone and say, Hey, I'm just going to invite Jesus into this moment right now. And, and Jesus really wants to touch you in a really cool way because he's awesome and we, and we look to minister and we look to demonstrate our faith as simple as this seems this is the way that the gospel conquers and there is no plan B men were his method and you and I are his plan So I ask you this question every one of you guys and I've asked myself this question what is your plan now? what now? the series is over what now? because see if you don't have a plan nothing happens if there's not an intentional thought an intentional commitment given to this nothing happens there has to be a plan Jesus had a plan we're his plan we're his plan we are walking it out What is our plan? What's our plan of being discipled? What's our plan of making disciples? If we are to train people, we must work for people. We must seek them. And we must win them. And we must pray for them. I do pray for the lost. I do pray, and then I pray for myself as well. Lord, I'm trying to reach this person. I feel like they're so close. Lord, I want to see them saved, and I know that that's in agreement with you, and you want to see them saved. Lord, would you just anoint me to bring in the harvest, Lord God? And if not me, Lord, would you use someone else? Would you send a worker into my brother's life, my friend's life? Would you you send someone there to influence him and, and, and to love him? Jesus prayed for those that the Father had given Him, right? Who is the Father giving you? Did you hear the question? Who has the Father giving you? That's a fantastic question. I love a good, meaty question. That's a good, meaty question. That's one I want us to chew on for a while. Who has the Father given you? Who has the Father put in your life that He wants you to touch with the love of Jesus? that he wants his personality in full display, his love and his grace and his kindness, and where he wants the Holy Spirit to be seen in manifest glory and power. So I want to share one part of an intentional plan that we have as a church moving forward. You can call them small groups. You can call them home groups. You can call them life groups. You can call them connect groups. You can call them whatever you want. But we need to be doing life together in small group settings. And and we need a bunch of them. Because it's not just about us. We need to be inviting neighbors and friends and co-workers. But we need to have groups that meet in homes or in the church or in coffee shops or in the park or wherever. And those groups... Man, the parameters are huge. You want, to do, you want to do a life group where you're doing life together? You know, maybe it's a home group where you're studying. And more than studying, forget studying. Forget that I said studying. Take two. Whether you're relating. Whether you're doing life. Because studying's not fun. When I spend time in the Word, I, I don't even consider that studying. I'm spending time with Jesus. I don't, I don't like studying. But you're doing life. Hey, how's your family? Hey, how's work? hey, I know you're looking for a job. How's that going? Hey, guys, let's pray for him real quick. Hey, um, this person in our life group, they're not feeling real well. Guys, can we, can we make some meals for them? Let's, let's do that. You do life together in that small group setting. And it's powerful. And you can invite others to come in and be a part of it. We need to have that. We need to have that, guys. That's a deficit in this church. We're just chipping away at what the Lord's put on our heart to do. And he put on our hearts there's a deficit in the area of discipleship. And so we have, we have taken it head on. And now the next thing, the Lord said, there's a deficit in the area of small group connection. And we are taking it head on. We've got to do this together, guys. I can't have seven home groups. I don't even know if I can have one home group, to be honest with you. Because my home group will be pouring into leaders. That that's that's what will be my focus, to be perfectly honest with you. I wanna pour I wanna pour more into leader into leaders. If you have a home group, I wanna pour into you. So we have this church that's available. If if your place isn't big enough to host a home group, I'll give you a key. You can have you can have home group here. Or maybe there's someone that says, I don't want to lead the home group, but my house is huge. You can you can have it in my house. I just don't want to lead it. Then we can do that too. And if you're like, "Hey, I just want to be in a group," can you find a group? Yes, we'll find a group. So starting next week, we're going to have a table set up where that you can sign up to host a home group, to lead a home group, you know, to let your you know your house be used, to be in a home group. But we need them, guys. We also need let's call them connect groups. Right now, there's a men's Bible study, and we're not meeting this week. But that, that's a type of a connect group. Once a week we get together, usually about seven of us, and we go through a passage of Scripture and we just connect with one another and point each other to Jesus, and it's great. Maybe there's a connect group that gets together and, and, and reads a book. Maybe there's a connect group that gets together and work out. If there's dudes doing that, maybe include me in that. I, I, could be, I, 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 need, I need that. I'd like to be in that workout connect group. We can't just say you're not alone. We've got to demonstrate you're not alone because we've got to link arms with one another and do life together. That's just one way. I'm just giving you something. We can't preach a message like a series like this on discipleship and then say, "Okay, God bless, God speed. You're on your own." We have to have a plan. This is just a plan. Friends, every one of us have to have a plan about being discipled and making disciples. And we've got to commit in our heart to say, Lord, I know it's work investing into people, but I'm going to do it because that is what you've included me in in your plan.